Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. The majority of our families, like, we know that we're going to be, you know, indebted to them to, to making sure that their food's secure for at least the next year, year and a half. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. I'm Josh Kopel, and on today's show, we chat with Othan Nalasco, co-founder of No Us Without You, a nonprofit serving the most vulnerable amongst us within the hospitality community. There are some revelations in life that hit you like a ton of bricks. It was Othan that brought to light that there are thousands of undocumented hospitality workers that are unable to receive government assistance and thus unable to feed their families. Most of us can empathize, but few of us have the courage to act. Within days of the quarantine, Othan and his team were feeding families throughout Los Angeles County. Here, we begin with Othan discussing his path to a life of service. I think I've been like a professional servant my my whole life. We talked about that. Um, just, you know, my first job was a dishwasher. Uh, dishwasher and uh, my buddy was smart. He he was a dishwasher, so they told him basically, hey, find someone to replace you and then you could become a busboy. So that's what he did and I was just happy to work in a restaurant, uh, you know, making tips and stuff. Uh, you know, dishwasher is not the, not the easiest job in the world. And uh, definitely respect everyone that still does that today. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for dishwashers, even though they are really hard to find and hold on to. Uh, and kind of the same progression. I, I then became a busboy when my, my friend became uh, like a food runner and so on and so forth until I became, a bar, until I became his bar back and uh, bartended all through, through college. And um, when I moved back to Los Angeles, um, I got back into hospitality uh, because I wasn't uh, having a very like social existence. I was just working, 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 had my own company and uh, yeah, uh, fell back in love with it. And this was in like 2012, um, worked at a small little place in Skid Row in Los Angeles called Ixta. That's where I met one of my partners, Damien. And then we went on to uh, work at Everson Royce Bar and a few other places. And at Everson Royce Bar, I met our other partner, Aaron, uh, who ended up working with us. And fast forward a few years later, and we started a hospitality company, uh, you know, about a little bit two years ago. And that's all going to change, too, because we, we don't even see how our our roles as consultants will ever be what they were before. So within our own existence, we need to pivot and figure out how to make that work out or else we're going to go out of business. You know, I mean, effectively we are because our two projects are shut down right now. One opened just before uh, the shutdown the week before, uh, Hermanito in Little Saka. So uh, yeah, we're in the same boat as everyone else. Uh, no paycheck. So trying to figure out our way. I'm living that unemployment life myself. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when you, we, we talked about that before, when you used to work in all the time, how being on unemployment is this very strange thing. I mean, it's our money. We paid into it, right, this whole time. Right. So, I mean, I don't feel bad about working for Uncle Sam, you know? <laughs> 
Well, so you were consulting just prior to the pandemic. Yes. Um, but you guys quickly pivoted into this new project. Yeah. Uh, it, and it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about right now. Um, you know, we saw kind of the shutdown coming before it, it was officially announced. I mean, it was just obvious that there was no way restaurants and bars were going to be able to be open if this pandemic was going to hit, like everything was going to have to close. So um, it, it was just born out of frustration and really not knowing how to help the most vulnerable people that we worked with for years. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of GoFundMes being started for, for front of the house staff and bartenders and servers. And like, we understood everyone's got to eat and, that really bothered us because no one was mentioning at all, like anyone on the line, anyone in the dish pit, uh, you know, any of the prep or porters. And we didn't know how to help in the beginning. So it was a few days where we were just like angry, frustrated people. And um, actually one of our, one of our friends, Mike Capoferri, owner of Thunderbolt, he quickly pivoted and started doing like meals for out of work hospitality people. And so we had like the idea of like, maybe we give Mike some money, like our own money and like buy meals for back of the house. But then it's like, how do you, like, how would I donate to you and your restaurant and then tell you how to spend it kind of, it just didn't seem very, uh, very appropriate to do that, you know? Um, Cause he already had a program going on and we would be there for like trying to, trying to rock his boat and change things. So we then decided, well, like, well, let's feed the people directly that need the help the most. So, like, we, we had friends that we worked with that were undocumented and also unemployed because of the shutdown. So we reached out to them and then a few other friends that were, you know, sous chefs or uh, floor managers. And they asked their, some people in their crew, you know, who needed help. And it quickly kind of grew to where we had, like, a dozen people or families, I should say, to, to feed that first day. So we just went. Uh, to, you know, local restaurant supply company, bought, uh, bought several hundred dollars worth of food and came back to our office and just started packaging up in like deli cups and, and weighing things out, measuring things, seeing what was appropriate to give someone. Like, how could we make that, you know, 450 bucks? Like, how many people could it feed? So originally, like, uh, Aaron and I wanted to, my partner, Aaron Melendrez, we wanted to like feed people like, you know, just like one, one time, like feed them. And then we would, you know, figure it out. And our other partner, Damien Diaz, actually had the really good idea that, you know, most people have, have a husband, have a wife, have a significant other, and then they have small children. So let's make this a family thing and let's feed a family for a week. So then like, okay, well, what does that look like? How much does that cost? So we just costed everything out and made it work to where – we could spend $33 and feed a family of four for a week and we weighed everything out and, you know, we put them in bags and it just, it looked right. It looked like an appropriate amount of food that could last a week, you know, and the next day we went and did the same thing. And then we started Instagram for it. Uh, Aaron came up with the name, No Us Without You, which I, I thought was like a beautifully uh, just right to the point. Um, Cause there is no, restaurant business without the back of the house you know like let's just be honest there is none i couldn't agree more you know i mean a monkey could do my job and probably make more tips because they're cuter <laughs> they could learn how to make drinks which i'm sure you could teach a smart monkey how to make some cocktails mm -hmm. you know um but i wouldn't want the monkey in the back prepping my food <laughs> right
right? Yeah, yeah, I see it. So we just, uh, yeah, started Instagram for it and uh, built a page on our website that kind of would quickly explain everything that we were doing and just treat it like a business. We, you know, applied for an LLC and filled out the paperwork for the 501c3, you know, the application to get that going expedited that so that we could, you know, be considered for tax exempt status and be a true nonprofit. So, uh, just got an update with that. We should have that by the end of the, uh, end of May. Uh, there is a little bit of delay right now with the shutdown as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just a vetting process. So we'll, we'll have that in about a month. So no us without you. The, the, the stated mission is to feed a family for a week. You guys can do it for $33. Yeah. And actually we, um, we can, and now that we're buying more food uh, and buying like, direct instead of just buying from a, a wholesale company, you know, like that's open to the public, buying direct and, you know, not paying tax and stuff now, getting that resale license, um, we're able to, and also because of donations, so because of some really good partners donating food, each, each kit that we're giving a family is about 70 pounds, you know, with the secret lasagna donation, um, every lasagna they sell as an entree or casserole they sell, they're donating one to our families. Um, a few, few pasta, flour, egg, water for all. They're, they're donating, you know, uh, like 75 quarts a week to us. Uh, we're buying pasta sauce from them. We're buying garlic bread from Secret Lasagna. So we're, we're supplementing, we're supplementing this like basic dried goods and kind of staple pantry items to include some pre-cooked meals, to include a lot more produce, a lot more fruits and vegetables, courtesy of our, our good family friends, Elias Produce. Uh, talk about a pivot. Uh, the, the son runs a company. He's my youngest brother's age, so he's like a 30-year-old kid, you know? And he saw 95% of his business get just taken away with restaurants closing. So instead of just like, you know, bitching and moaning, he pivoted. And what he did was, is like, obviously a family is not going to buy a case of bananas, you know, but they would buy a smaller box that is like maybe like a tropical kit where it has like mangoes and, you know, bananas and, and different fruits or a citrus box or a greens box. And, you know, no one wants to go out and get that stuff. So he's delivering it all over Southern California. And um, yeah, he's actually convinced people to buy one for themselves and then donate one to us. So I love them for that. And we're just able to supplement this very basic, very like, you know, salt of the earth uh, food, food relief kit for a family and give them some, some added nutrients and vitamins and fresh produce and, and home cooked meals. What does a typical day look like for you? Uh, you know, uh, my partners and I have kind of kept our same, like our same lanes with, with this. We we're all better at certain things than the others and we can help each other out if we kind of just focus on what we're good at. Um, so like for myself, uh, um, I'm, I'm lucky I live three minutes away from my office where I'm at right now. I live around the corner in Bull Heights. So, uh, on Mondays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we get tortilla deliveries from Kernel of Truth Organic Tortillas in Bull Heights. So I'm here at 7 a.m. to get that delivery because we're the first stop because we're the closest to their tortilla. Uh, so we get that delivery and then um, kind of get everything set up. We do have to go shopping a lot. Uh, this is the first week that we actually have getting deliveries to our office. So that means going to the restaurant supply company uh, on our non-delivery days, which our delivery days are Tuesday, 
Thursday and Saturday, where we're feeding about 100, a little over 100 families uh, each of those days. Um, it means going shopping because I have a, a smaller pickup truck. I don't have a big, giant truck. Uh, so I need to go shopping three to four times for to feed three hundred uh, to feed a hundred families just logistically to fit that much uh, food in my truck. So, you know, like this morning, I just went and picked up twelve hundred pounds of beans, twelve hundred pounds of rice, you know, twelve hundred pounds of potatoes, eight hundred pounds of carrots. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on, but it's just it's it's a big big amount of food. So. We've added refrigeration. I mean, our office looks like a food pantry. It, it, it is just wall-to-wall stainless steel prep tables and food storage. That's it. And re- new refrigeration that, well, new to us. They're all used, but. How many people are you guys feeding a week? And then what is the goal? How many do you want to feed a week? Uh, we're feeding over 300 families. You know, so each family has two to sometimes six people. We are feeding 300 families a week right now. We're trying to add as many as we can every week. We want to be able to feed as, as many people as we can. Uh, this is going to be week eight we're looking at coming up. So that's, that's almost two months of no income for a lot of our, a lot of our families. You know? And these are people that are used to working two to three jobs. These aren't, these aren't people looking for a handout. These aren't people that are used to any type of assistance. They're used to just working really hard you know, maybe taking one day off a week. So I think that uh, just the way logistically we've set everything up and try to scale, uh, we should be good. Uh, just, the, just the three of us plus our, our, one, our one assistant that's helping us out uh, up to about 700 families. I think after that, we're going to be maxed out of space just because there's only seven days in a week. Um, but yeah, I think we can, we can service 600 families a week. I don't want to say easily, but uh, th- uh, very like efficiently, just the systems we have in place here. And then I, I'd also like to take this opportunity to put a human face on it, right? Because you're, you're not helping people generally, you're helping specific people, right? Yes. With, with specific needs and specific families. Are there any stories that jump out over the course of the last eight weeks um, <sighs> that you'd like to share? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I didn't grow up rich, but I certainly didn't grow up poor. And I, I I never had to worry about where my next meal was coming from. So uh, for me personally, the hardest part of this past eight weeks is just seeing little kids like confused. And, you know, we all think about being a little kid and going to the grocery store with your mom or dad. And now you have six, seven, eight year olds going to a parking lot, picking up food from these couple of guys in a truck. It's really shitty seeing little kids, you know, get excited about a fucking bag of popcorn or bananas, you know, it, it, it hurts because I know that the 300 families we're feeding, like how many more families just aren't able to get a hold of us or don't, don't know about us yet. And those little kids just don't have the amount of food in their home all day. And their parents got to see them and got to like answer, like, where's the food? You know, I'm hungry, mom. I'm hungry, dad. Like we're going to eat this again. You know, I, it's a really fucked up story, man, because, you know, as, as we all know, like dairy farmers are dumping milk out of holding tanks and, and food's rotting in the fields because farmers can't afford to pick it because there's no restaurants opening and they're, they're slaughtering baby chickens and, and piglets because they can't afford to feed them. And there's I just don't understand how America, like anyone should be hungry. You know, we're the richest country in the world and food security is is a thing. And well, I mean, you're central in that movement, helping people get fed. 
what do you what do you envision as the future for the organization is this something you think you could potentially pivot to full-time and if so post-pandemic what would it look like oh uh, my partners and i have talked about that at great lengths because uh we really don't see this as something as a short-term uh project you know uh, my partner damien speaks to every single family like personally like his email box and his text messages are crazy it's all he does is glue to that phone all day and he has this amazing uh, bedside manner, if you will. He is not only speaking to everyone to gain their trust, because like we had new families, they don't know that this is a thing. They don't know if this is a setup. They're gonna get, you know, pinched by ice or, or something like that. They don't know us, so he's able to like ingrain himself with them and and get them to trust him. Uh, but what he's very very good at is preserving people's dignity. You know, like I said, these are a hardworking class of people that are not used to handouts. So we're definitely not handing them anything. You know, we, we call them our clients or our families. Like they, they are very much that. Uh, and preserving their, their pride and dignity is important to us. And we tell them every week, especially when it's their first week getting food from us, that we're in it for the long haul, that we're going to see them through not only the short, short term end of the pandemic, whenever, you know, uh, a vaccine that comes out and everyone's able to get inoculated. But also realistically, Josh, if, if as a family of four, your rent's 1500, 1600 bucks a month, and you're not paying that for four or five, six months. And it's, it's taking you working two or three jobs to pay that rent and maybe sending a little bit extra you have back home to Central America or Mexico. Um, I don't think there's gonna be two or three jobs for everyone after I just, right? It's I, not, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So how does, how does a dishwasher, how does a prep cook dig out of this huge hole of debt that they just have to pay a landlord, right? To get square after not paying rent for four or five, six months. I think that if we can at least provide food security and help out in that way, like indefinitely. And so people tell us like, we're good. We don't, we don't need this help anymore. We'd rather you take us off the, the list for the program and, and give it to someone else, give that spot to someone else that needs it. Um, we've, we've actually already had a few families like say, hey, I mean, a, a very small amount, but like, hey, you know, I got a job uh, doing some other type of work with uh, a family friend, so uh, we're good. I'd rather give this to someone else. But the majority of our families, like, we know that we're going to, be you know indebted to them to to making sure that their food's secure for at least the next year year and a half. What do you envision as the future for you, Othan, as a person? You know, you you had this this vision for your life as a as a restaurant consultant, right? A, a yeah. builder, somebody that's building you know concepts for other people. Has the, has has the pandemic changed that? Has it pivoted your goals, your focus? What does your future look like personally? I mean, I've, I've spoken with that at length to my partners and my fiance, you know, like we we're planning a wedding. So that's on hold. Um, you know, part of me kind of wanted to go back to school, but then I don't want debt. So, and I, I like working too much. So uh, I, I really see that, that this running a nonprofit is, is what I'm finding joy in. Um, still allows me to, to be a professional servant. Um, the, my partners and I had actually talked about a, starting a nonprofit for the past year, just didn't have uh, the clearest of visions of how to do that uh, 
both from a financial aspect and as a fundraising aspect. So we decided just to like, let's figure it out before we do it so that we get one chance to do it right. So for myself, I, I really see the near future is just helping run this uh, nonprofit and, and growing it. Um, I know I'm going to have to learn how to write grants and all these things that I, I, I've never done before. And my partners and I have always spoken about, we need to get really good at the things that we're not great at. Until the day one of us decides not to kind of follow that program, then we'll be together trying to learn how to get better at all these things that we need to learn how to do. And then if somebody wanted to donate to Know Us Without You, how would they go about doing so? Uh, they can go uh, right to our, our Instagram and kind of see everything, the, the timeline, the progression the last eight weeks and see what's going on. The handle is going to be at Know Us Without You. And there is a link in that bio that goes straight to our website. It's a beautiful link tree. has all the press, all the free, frequently asked questions. Uh, people can also contact us. They can also refer a family. A family can, can apply to be part of our program right at, at that site. It's like a one-stop shop. So know us without you. Let, sorry, know us without you at Instagram. We'll get everything taken care of. That's phenomenal. Any last thoughts? Uh, you have the opportunity to speak directly to the entire industry. I just hope that... Uh, I hope that the, the level of intelligence that we have in this, in this industry is used for good. And I hope that we take the opportunity to make this, to not make this about us, to resist that urge, to make this about what am I going to do? Stop worrying about ourselves a little bit. And as a whole, maybe worry about each other a little bit more. You know, um, I think that'll weed out a lot of the people that honestly don't belong in a life of service. You know, you and I talked about that. So that would be like my hope that, that if you went into a restaurant eight, nine, ten months now or a bar, the person serving you would be someone that had a professional servant's mindset. And it wasn't just doing it to like pay the bills. That's Othan Alaska, co-founder of No Us Without You. For more information on their charity or to donate, visit them on Instagram. Search No Us Without You. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.